How is your church navigating this colossal shift to uh, online church? I know for many churches, they have been investing and really putting the resources together to be able to continue to meet together, continue to invest in each other and build relationships online. But for many of our churches, this has kind of been on the back burner for some time. Well, now is the time to fix that. If you are still trying to figure out how to do online church, how to stream your Sunday services, trying to dial in your website so when people go there, they find the information that they need, then you need to jump into Digital Missionary Academy because we just started a three-part workshop with my friend Christian Ray, who has been launching and building churches for more than 20 years and is also an award-winning web designer and media specialist. And in this three-video workshop, you're going to learn how your church is currently doing by taking a free assessment to grade your church's online presence. You're also going to learn how to properly brand and communicate the values of your church both internally to your members and to outside visitors. And you're also going to learn everything that you need to know to live stream your Sunday services and really make a great impression. So if that sounds like something that you need, that you are either a full-time minister on staff at a church and you're still trying to dial in your live stream Sunday services, or you want to learn what it looks like to have a successful church online so you can share that with your ministry staff, just go to digitalmissionaryacademy.com to start your free trial. You get a free trial, you'll watch all the videos in the workshop for free, and then you can stick around if you continue to find value in being a part of that membership. So just go to digitalmissionaryacademy.com or click the link in the show notes to start your free trial today. Welcome to the Practical Christian Podcast. I'm Travis Albritton, a former rocket scientist turned digital missionary, here to bring you the bite-sized tips and strategies you need to become an effective Christian. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's jump into it. So I don't know if you've noticed, but the world is kind of crazy right now. Like who six months ago, a year ago, would imagine that the entire globe, the entire world would be shut down from a global pandemic? Well, this is an opportunity for us as Christians to be a light, to really be an example of what God would do if he were walking among us. If Jesus were with us, how would he respond? And the thing that I want to focus on in this episode is the importance of taking care of the poor and needy among us, specifically our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, if there was a sin that the Israelites were perpetually guilty of, it never seemed to to be the case where they got past it. They never seemed to fi- quite figure out why God continued to be angry with them. It was this. It was that they oppressed the poor and needy. They did not take care of the needy among them. It was every man for himself. And those that were rich, those that had wealth, did not share it. We're not generous with it. And in Amos chapter four, we get my favorite (laughs) uh, rebuke of the Israelites for this favorite, because you will see very soon why. And in Amos chapter four says, hear this word, you cows of Bashan. That's, that's the Israelite women. God is calling them cows. I mean, you could never say that God (laughs) has no sense of humor. You cows of Bashan who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, 
who say to your husbands, bring that we may drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness that behold, the days are coming upon you when they shall take you away with hooks, even the last of you with fish hooks. And you shall go out through the breaches, each one straight ahead, and you shall be cast out into Harmon, declares the Lord. So God is saying, hey, you women who are sitting on your couches, oppressing the poor and needy, telling your husbands just to bring you more wine, you're going to be let out through the gaps in the holes of Jerusalem when I send an invading army to take it over, and you're going to be let out as slaves with hooks in your noses. That's kind of intense, right? So that is how God feels when we overlook those who are in need among us. Now, gratefully, once we jump into the book of Acts, the Christians seem to kind of get this on straight. They've kind of figured out, okay, this is something that is important to God. This is something that's been important to God. And now there's a very specific need in front of us that we're going to meet by being generous with our worldly possessions, with the things that we have. Because at the very beginning of the book of Acts, you have all of these Jews from all over the world coming to Israel for Pentecost. And in Acts chapter 2, we see the birth of the church with Peter's sermon. 3,000 people are added to the church, become Christians, and they all just kind of stick around. Now imagine if you had gone to another country, another city for a, a festival or something like that, and then because you were there, you became a Christian and you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to stay here. I don't have a job. I don't have a home. I have no way to provide for my own needs or the needs of my family. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know it's important for me to stay right here. That was the situation that the church found themselves in. And so what did they do? The Christians there rallied together and made sure that everyone's needs were met. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And so what's really fascinating about this is that, you know, remember the context, all these Jews have just become Christians and they're just hanging out in Jerusalem. So how is it possible that in verse 34, it says there was not a needy person among them? Not a single one. The Christians were so focused on taking care of each other that they were selling their possessions. They were selling their homes. They were selling their land and saying, hey, use this money to meet the needs of our brothers and sisters, meet the needs within the church. Such an incredible example of generosity. But now I want to bring it home. Now I want to bring it to us because it's great to see an example like this and to say, wow, that's great. They were so sacrificial. They were so generous, but I'm not going to go and sell my house. Like that doesn't make sense. Why would I sell my house so I can give it to somebody else? Well, first John has some strong words for us. And I'm not advocating that you sell your house. Don't get me wrong. Don't, don't go and do that because <laughs> you do need a place to live. But we right now 
with so much unemployment, with so many people that are struggling financially, that aren't sure how they're going to pay for their next meal, not sure how they're going to pay to keep the lights on. This is where we have a spiritual pop quiz as Christians. Does the love of God abide in us in this very specific way? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, John says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? You see, what we do with our worldly possessions, what we do with the things that God has given us financially and with our means is a test of whether the love of God is in us. If we see a very clear need within our church, within the church members, within the members of our small group, within our friends, and we choose to harden our heart against it and not do something about it, the question then is, well, if that's your response to seeing that, how is it that God's love is in you? It can't be because that's not what God would do. That's not what Jesus would do. And we already see from the example in the book of Acts what this looks like to live it out correctly, that we sacrificially give to meet the needs of those around us. So many are in need right now. We cannot, as Christians, in good conscience, turn away from it. And there are lots of things that you can do to help the brothers and sisters in your congregation. You can pay someone's utility bills if they've lost their job. You can go grocery shopping for someone if they're immunocompromised and they can't go out and go grocery shopping themselves. You could even organize a benevolence fund at your church. This is very common. A lot of churches have done this in the past where you basically set up a special pot of money that people can give to. And then if someone is out of work for an extended period of time, if they have trouble paying their, their rent, paying their bills, then the church can specifically meet those needs. Uh, I helped set up the Benevolence Fund at the church that we're a part of in Jacksonville, Florida. And then when we got our stimulus check, it just went right back out to that Benevolence Fund because I'm blessed and have a job. I'm able to continue to work. I'm able to continue to provide for my family. And there are so many that can't do that right now. It would be selfish and cruel to not take advantage of the opportunity to be generous in that way. So every single one of us has an opportunity to show the world what love and generosity really looks like. When the rest of the world is concerned with keeping what's theirs, not running out, and really having a, a, a mindset of how do I build up my own storehouses and every man for himself, we can be the opposite and say, God will provide, God is enough, and so here I can be sacrificial and generous when the rest of the world is saying, keep what is yours. Let us not follow in the steps of the Israelites who would rather rest in the comfort of their wealth rather than lift a finger to help their brothers. This is truly an opportunity for us to test our own hearts, to test if the love of God is in us and to be a light to the world. Let us not squander it. That's it for today. Don't forget to take advantage of this week's free resource by clicking the link in the show notes and be sure to share this episode with your ministry leader, a person in your small group, or just a friend from church. Thanks for listening to today's episode, and I'll talk to you soon.